How's everybody doing tonight? You doing good? Man, you, you, just so you know, you've exceeded my expectations. Uh, packed house tonight for Saturday night. I don't know if you're here because you, you couldn't wait till tomorrow to come or if you just wanna sleep in in the morning, but either way, thank you for being here. This is amazing. Uh, and we are praying for the rain to hold off for just a little bit. Normally, I feel bad about that because there's a farmer praying somewhere for rain, but it's been like raining for two weeks. He's got enough. The farmer is fine. Let's just hold it off if we can, but we have a backup plan if we have to use it, but uh, hopefully we'll, we'll be all right. But thank you so much for being here. We're so excited about Easter weekend. You know, Easter's a big deal for anybody who, who follows Jesus. Easter's a big deal for anybody who has a relationship with Jesus Christ because it's the reason why we are able to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, my daughter, Sadie, asked me last night, we were talking a little bit, and she asked me last night, or this morning, actually, we were driving around this morning. And she said, Dad, why'd they, call it, why'd, they, why'd they call it Good Friday? Why's it called Good Friday, Dad? She's like, I mean, if Jesus died, like, that doesn't sound good. Why'd they call it Good Friday? And I said, well, it wasn't good at the time. It didn't seem good, but Jesus dying on the cross was the best thing that could have ever happened because it gave us a chance to know Jesus, but we celebrate Sunday or the weekend, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And so if you're here tonight and you, you follow Jesus, it's a big deal. If you're here tonight and, and you're not sure why you're here, I'm just praying and believing that God is going to begin to do some things in you, uh, in your life. It's just gonna be, uh, it's gonna be a great time. A few years ago, I, I had a friend that I was praying for, uh, that, that I was just praying that God would um, allow me to, to to have more of a meaningful relationship with him, have some more meaningful conversations. Him and I were friends on the golf course. I have a lot of those. And, uh, and so I was just praying, like he, he did not have a relationship with Jesus. And so I was just kind of praying that God would give me the opportunity to, to have some meaningful conversations and, and, and was asking some of my friends to pray with me about this. You know, hey God, if you, know, if you could just open up a, a door of opportunity, I'd love that. And And so a few weeks after I started praying, I get a text from my friend who says, hey, you wanna meet up for dinner? We had never met anywhere but the golf course. And uh, he's like, you wanna meet for dinner? And I said, yes. And so I am pumped, I'm excited. I'm texting my friends who have been praying with me, like God has heard our prayers. We're going to dinner, just be praying about this dinner. It's gonna be amazing. God's gonna do something amazing. And and so uh, I get to dinner early. I get to the restaurant a little early because I just wanna make sure, you know, I'm there and, and I'm, I'm sitting in the booth waiting. He's not there yet. I'm just kind of praying under my breath. You know, God, just I pray that dinner would be amazing tonight and that you just, you know, have, have just conversation that, you know, is meaningful and just kind of praying under my breath. Time to start dinner comes. He's not there yet. I'm starting to get a little bit worried. Maybe I'm gun shy. I was stood up a lot as a teenager. I, I can't, I don't want to get into it, but uh, many a times where they didn't show up. But anyway, so... Um, but he, 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 wasn't, he wasn't there, I'm starting to get worried. And a few minutes later, he, he, he kind of walks around the corner and, he, and he, he looks like he's looking for me. And so I get his attention and he's, he's kind of shocked to see me sitting over there. And, and he's like, oh, hey, I didn't know you were here. We're meeting in the back. And I thought, well, that sounds weird. We're meeting in the back. But I'm like, okay, whatever, this is, that's fine. And so uh, I follow him to the back. And when I walk into the back room, my heart sinks because there's about 40 people in there and a projector screen and a big banner, and I realized that he had invited me to dinner because it was a pitch for this new pyramid business that he was a part of. And, but now I'm stuck because I'm already in the room. 
And um, yeah, so there I am. So I take a seat and I was hungry, but to make matters worse, you know, they're not idiots. So they're not ordering dinner till after the presentation. And so uh, I'm sitting there for an hour and finally the opportunity comes for me to slide out. I'm like, hey man, I'm out. He's like, okay, slide out. And I'm driving home and I am just, I'm, I'm angry and I'm mad and I'm like having an imaginary argument with him about this. Have you ever had, you win those every time. I mean, they're like the most, you're, you're so articulate. You're saying everything. And, and in that moment driving home, I, um, I'm, by no means am I saying that God spoke to me. I don't mean that, but I just kind of had this thought, this kind of inspired thought uh, I wonder if this is what he feels like every time you invite him to church. That was the thought that I had in my head. Like, I thought that we were doing something else. He had an agenda, and I'm stuck for an hour. And I thought, man, I wonder if this is what he feels like every time you invite him to church because you have an agenda for his life. And obviously, I feel like mine's a little more noble, but whatever. And, <laughs> but, I, but I'm thinking to myself, like, I wonder if this is what... He, he feels like. And I tell you that story because I know for some of you in the room, you not even necessarily about tonight per se, but just in general, for you sometimes it feels like that the people who have a relationship with God always have an agenda with you or that they're always trying to like trap you into something. One of my favorite stories is uh, uh, a, a guy, a, a family who goes to church here, one of their relatives is not a, is not a Christian and, and, he, and he doesn't really have any interest in it and they're always inviting him and he doesn't wanna come and so they were throwing a surprise party for his brother and they were sending out invites and the guy who doesn't come to church responded and said, this isn't a trick to get me to come to a Bible study, is it? And I thought, well, that is so amazing. Uh, but, but I know sometimes it feels that way, whether it's coming to church or whether it's just spiritual conversations or uh, it always feels as if there's an agenda. And unfortunately, the church and people like me and the people who care about you have not done the greatest job of making Jesus as accessible as Jesus did. He was the master at it. They had a nickname for him. They called him the friend of sinners. And what that just means is that People who did not have a relationship with him loved being around him. And that Jesus always had this ability to just have a crowd around him and hang out at somebody's house and sit in the living room. At one time, he even provided the alcohol for the party. Like he, he was just, he was the guy who, it was, it was all right, you just enjoyed being around him. But unfortunately, the church maybe has not done as well, near as good a job as Jesus did because it feels like there's an agenda. You know what I'm talking about. You, you can't play on the church basketball team unless you come to church two weeks in a row. If you play on the church softball team, you gotta pray before the game. If you take your kids to the Easter egg hunt or the trunk, tr trick or treat event, you gotta fill out the card so the church can call you. You get tuition discount if you're a member of the church. Like, There's all of these ways that we try to trap you into having a relationship with Jesus. Like, we're gonna like trick you into it. You're not gonna realize you're signing up for it and then it's gonna be like, you did it, like you're in. And you're like, wait, I didn't even wanna do that. I don't know what happened. And so tonight what I wanna do is I just wanna read a story. It's in John chapter one. I wanna read a story to you about um, a couple of guys who met Jesus for the first time. I can't think of a better weekend than Easter weekend to, to talk about this story where a couple of guys meet Jesus for the first time, and as we read through this story, we're going to see just how amazing Jesus is 
And honestly, how disarming he is for people who may not wanna have a relationship with him but aren't threatened to be around him or, or to be near him. And so it's in John chapter one. If you wanna follow along, you can, you can read along with us. It'll be up on the screen or you can, you can download the, the church app and follow along there. But something kind of cool about this story is that it's actually the very beginning, I mean, the absolute origin, very beginning of Christians and of the church. So now, uh, I read the other day, there's like 2.5 billion people on the planet who claim to be Christians who follow Jesus, and, um, and that's a lot. There's churches everywhere. Church buildings are getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and I, and I get all of that. And so sometimes it can feel as if this thing is so big, but the story we're gonna read today is the very beginning. It was not big. There were no church buildings. There, were no, there was none of that. It was, it was just Jesus and, and, a few, and a few people. And it's in John chapter one, starting with verse 35. We'll read a few verses and talk about it a little bit and, and then read some more. But this is what it says uh, chapter one, verse 35, it says, the following day, John, J this is John the Baptist, not John the guy who wrote the book of John. This is a different John. John the Baptist was again standing with two of his disciples. And as Jesus walked by, John looked at him, John the Baptist, and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. Verse 37, when John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. So this is, this is the start of the story. Here are two guys, and, 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 and they just begin following him. Like, it's that easy. This, is, this represents people who maybe are kind of around religion. They grow up in religious environments. They maybe decide at an early age to, to follow Jesus. They're already with John the Baptist, so they already have some religious affiliation, it doesn't take a ton of convincing. Jesus walks by and they see him and they follow him. This represents people that who, who, who meet Jesus logically. Some people meet Jesus logically. It's not that big a deal, it's not, it's not this huge dramatic thing that happens or um, this huge turnaround story, it's just kind of a, a decision. Like, it makes sense to me, I'm gonna follow Jesus. My wife, Andrea, um, claims, uh, not claims, that sounds like controversial. She, she started following Jesus at six years old. She gave her heart to Jesus at six years old. I was barely potty trained at six, whatever. We can talk about it later. I, I just like, I, it's, it's amazing. And I believe her because she's the most amazing person I've ever met. But like that, that kind of is just like, I heard about Jesus. It made sense to me. I follow him. And some of you in the room, that's your story. Yeah. And I think it's worth pointing out here that it's okay to have a really boring testimony, quote unquote boring testimony, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's awesome. If it didn't take jail or rehab to convince you to need Jesus, that's okay. You know what I mean? Sometimes we show hope stories and videos and it's like the more dramatic, like I had a needle in my arm and a gun in my hand and I was like, Jesus. And, 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 and you're sitting there like, I... I, I don't know, a guy, I was in church, they said Jesus, I was like, okay, I went down there, I got saved. And, and as a parent, I hope that all of my kids have the most incredibly boring testimonies. Isn't that true, parents, you know? I mean, I, I hope, you know, that their hope story is like, I was raised in church, but dad was a pastor, I decided I didn't want God, and then a week later, I came back to church, and I wanted him, and I've been following him ever since. Like, that's, I hope that's the story. 
So if you're in here today or in here tonight and you're, and you're like, you know, my story's not that dramatic. It's, it's, I just have always kind of been around it. I, I've always loved Jesus. I've, I've, it's just kind of been a thing that I fought him. That's kind of what these two guys are like. And that's cool. That's great. And so let's keep reading verse 38. Jesus looked around and saw them following and he asked them this question, what do you want? And they replied, Rabbi, where are you staying? Where are, uh, where are you staying? And Jesus, verse 39 says, come and see, he said. And it was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying and they remained with him the rest of the day. I love this because now they, they are following Jesus and they have some questions, rightfully so. Like they have some questions. And I love this because it's just a reminder that it's okay to have questions, it's okay to have questions and still be following Jesus. So their questions are like, where are we going? What are we doing? Where are we staying? Like these are legitimate questions that somebody may have when they decide that they wanna follow Jesus. And I love Jesus's answer. It's simple, it's three words. But I love it because it's a little bit contrary to what maybe we think is true about Jesus. They have questions and Jesus doesn't say, how dare you have questions? How dare you question me? He doesn't say, why do you not have faith? Just, just, just see where this ends up. No, Jesus says these three words. He says, come and see. Come and see. Come and see. Those three words are, are maybe not what you believe Jesus is like. Maybe, maybe for you, you always thought that Jesus had a believe then come policy. Believe first, um, you know, don't have any questions, uh, pray a prayer first, then follow me. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, come and follow me. Bring your doubts, bring your questions, the things you're not sure about yet, that's okay. Maybe you think that Jesus has a, uh, a change then come policy. Like you can come, but not like that. If you'll change first, then you can come, but that's not what Jesus says. He says, come, come and see, come and see. Maybe, maybe for you, your experience has been that Jesus had a, a fix, then come policy. Fix it and, and then come. Fix your issues and your problems, resolve them all. Maybe you thought Jesus had a pray, then come policy. Maybe you thought Jesus had a join, then come policy, but that's not what he says to these guys who are wanting to follow him, who just have some questions because they're just not sure, he looks around and he says, why don't you come, be around me, hang around me, watch what I do, watch what I say, hear what I say, just be around me and see if you wanna be a part of this. In, in a way, Jesus was giving, uh, he was giving a sample. Right, he was given a sample. Everybody loves a sample. Come on, he, he was given a sample, and the reason that businesses give samples is because they are convinced that if you ever taste it, you'll want to buy it. Now that's not true for everybody, because some of you in here, you're, you know, you have entitlement issues with samples, and so you know you, you know you, you're you're a sample hog. Right? How many people have ever been so broke in your life you ate lunch at Sam's on samples? Come on, let me see your hand. It's like, well, it's eleven thirty. Time to head to Sam's. We're just gonna. You're trying to act like you haven't been to that booth before, you know what I mean? Like, hmm, I don't know. Um, <laughs> samples are amazing. And, and Jesus, in a way, is kind of just saying like, why don't you come and see 
if I'm somebody that you think you could believe in? Why don't you come and see if, if what I'm teaching resonates with something in you that says, yeah, I can get with that. And so he, he, says, he says, come and see. So let's keep reading. So the first two guys, they, they meet Jesus logically. Verse 40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of those guys. So Andrew just was like, yeah, I'm in, I'll do it. His brother, Simon Peter, um, uh, Andrew went to find his brother, 41, excuse me, Simon, and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ, 42. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter, which Peter sounds a lot better than Cephas, but he says, you will be called, you're gonna be called Peter. And so this represents somebody who knows somebody who has met Jesus and now through word of mouth and vouching for him, Peter is interested enough to check it out and he comes and when he meets Jesus, Jesus says, you're, you're not who you think you are, you are a completely different person. Which is kind of, it's kind of strange, right? If, if you and I were to meet tonight and you're like, hey, my name's John, I'm like, no, it's not, it's Peter. You're like, no, no, it's John. No, it's not. Like, that's, that would be strange. That's kind of what Jesus does here. But this just represents those of us in the room, and some of you, this is your story, that, that you met Jesus and you became a completely different person. And the people who know you are like, I don't know them. I, you know, Pat's story is a lot like that. Like, there are people, there are those of you, and some of you, you're here tonight because you have friends who have become a completely different person. And, and that's what happens to Peter. And so, and so this, these verses represent um, somebody who meets Jesus dramatically. So some people meet Jesus logically. Some people meet Jesus dramatically. I, I, was, I was addicted and I met Jesus and I'm not addicted anymore. I, I, I was, uh, my marriage was, you know, barely hanging on because I was a, a terrible husband or uh, there was something happening in my life, whatever, and I met Jesus, and he turned it all around. I was depressed, or what, and I was afraid, and Jesus changed that. And you, you are, Jesus has, has, has literally turned you into a new person, made you into a new person, and that's what happens here with, uh, with Peter. And so at this point, the total church combined is three people, not billions. There are no church buildings Maybe some of you in the room tonight are like, I don't know, I just organized religion bothers me because this or that or whatever. Okay, this is just three guys and Jesus. No, no agenda, no, just like three guys and Jesus. And the, the church has been born, it's been birthed, this idea that there would be people who would claim to be followers of Jesus, not religious affiliated people, but people who would say, yes, I follow Jesus. Now there's three of them, but we're gonna meet, uh, we're gonna meet one more. And this is really where I wanna kind of spend the rest of my time because I think this last guy, his name's Nathaniel. I think he probably resonates with, uh, with us the most of, of, of any of the, the stories that we read. And so this is in verse 43. It says, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee and he found Philip and said to him, come follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. 45, Philip went to look for Nathaniel. This is not the point of the message, but I think it's so amazing that the way that God has always spread his message is through uh, somebody telling about their experience. 
And so many of you in the room are here tonight because a friend or a brother or a spouse or a sister or a cousin or somebody was like, I've found it. I've experienced it. It's the real deal. And that's what's about to happen here. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And 46, Nathanael had to be the younger sibling, just based on what I know about interactions between youngers and olders. 46, Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael. Can any good thing come from Nazareth? He's talking trash, he's, he's, he's cynical, he's jaded, he's, he's, you know, he's the youngest, he's the youngest sibling, has to be, right? He says, no, we found him, we found Jesus, we found the guy that mom and dad were always talking about, we found him, he's from Nazareth. And Nathaniel doesn't say, yes, you found him, that's it. He's like, mm, I doubt it, I doubt it, I don't buy it, I don't buy it. And we don't know why Nathaniel felt this way. Maybe Nathaniel knew a guy from Nazareth who was just the biggest jerk, right? Maybe Nathaniel was a part of a church and somebody really hurt him at that church and so he decided he didn't want anything to do with it anymore. Maybe Nathaniel's parents claimed to be believers in Jesus but they got divorced and they were hypocritical and so he's like, man, I don't want anything with anybody having to do, claim anything about church, religion, Jesus, nothing. We don't know why Nathaniel could not embrace this idea of Jesus but what we do know is that he was cynical and he, he, was, he, he, he could not, whereas the other people just kind of embraced it, Nathaniel's like, I don't know. I don't know. And, and some of you, that's where you're at tonight. Some of you, as you're listening right now, you're like, I mean, this is good. I like the music. That was fine. You seem like a nice guy, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I could point to some of you in the room tonight. It's some of my favorite stories. It's always the guys, you know, the, the guys are always the, 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 the stubborn ones. And, and so many of you, like you, you said to me, like uh, with the first time I meet you after a couple of weeks or something, you'll say, yeah, I really like you. You're great. You know, I'm coming for the family. I'm not really interested in kind of getting in. And I just, and six months later, 18 months later, you're worshiping, you're serving, you're praying, Amen. you're crying. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. So it's for, for some of you, this is your story. If you were to tell your story, you would say, my wife came home and said, I found it. And I'm like, I don't know. I've been to church before. It ain't that great. And that's what Nathaniel says. And, and, and the way I think Philip probably was the older sibling is because he handled it so well. And Philip says, come and see for yourself, which is the exact same thing that Jesus said to the first guys. He didn't say, Nathaniel, what's your problem? Why are you always so cynical, Nathaniel? He's like, listen, I get it. Why don't you just come and see for yourself? Don't take my word for it. Come and see for yourself. And so, and so this, represents, this represents those of us in the room who maybe are jaded and, and aren't sure about it, but verse 47, as they approached Jesus, Jesus said, now here is a genuine son of Israel, man of complete integrity. 48, how do you know about me, Nathaniel asked. And Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Which is really just a, a way of Jesus looking at him and saying, I know you. I know you. This is an amazing thing about Jesus because even when we are not interested in knowing him, he still knows us. 
This is a great thing about Jesus because even when we actively work against him, he works for us. That even when we run from him, he chases us. Like he looks at Nathaniel and says, I know you. And then 49, Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. And then Jesus asked him a really important question in verse 50. Then Jesus said, do you believe this just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? You'll see greater things than this. So this last category of person is the person who meets Jesus miraculously. Some people meet Jesus logically. That's some of your stories. Some people meet Jesus dramatically. I'm just a totally different person. The whole thing is turned around. And some people meet Jesus miraculously. And what that means is you showed up here and Jesus impressed you because he did something miraculous. And that's some of your stories. I know your stories. Your kid was sick and so you came to church and we prayed and your child was healed or your marriage wasn't gonna make it. And so we prayed and God did something amazing. And so the thing that brought you to Jesus, the thing that made you decide you wanted to follow him was you experienced him and you were impressed. He really did what people said he would do. And that's what happens to Nathaniel. So Jesus kind of shows off his miraculous power and ability, and Nathaniel's like, oh, wow, okay, I'm in, I'm in. That's, that, that's some of your story. So, so all kinds of different people, because there's all different kinds of ways to meet Jesus, all different kinds of ways to meet Jesus. Some people meet Jesus logically, some dramatically, some miraculously, but there's all of these different ways that we find him. But Jesus that last statement that Jesus makes to Nathaniel, I believe that he really says to us tonight as well. And it's a statement that challenges us and causes us to really look into the, our heart and really try to get to the heart of the matter. Because Jesus impresses Nathaniel. And, 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 G, and uh, Jesus impresses Nathaniel. Nathaniel says, you are God. And then, and then Jesus says back like, I love that you're impressed, but like, that was nothing. That was nothing. That's what Jesus says back, like, I am so pumped that that is what got you, but you have no idea what I'm capable of. No idea what I'm capable of. Now, we don't have time to look through the, the rest of the stories, but but Nathaniel is going, we don't actually hear anything else about Nathaniel anywhere in history, anywhere in the Bible, any script. We don't know anything else about Nathaniel. All the other guys, we got all kinds of information about them. We don't know anything else about Nathaniel. But, but historians would tell you that he was at a minimum a part of the 72 people that followed Jesus, but, but maybe even more of a core person than that. And so we know that Nathaniel followed Jesus for the next three years. And over the next three years, Jesus is gonna do things like walk on the sea. He's going to take a few pieces of bread and fish and multiply it and feed 5,000 people. He's gonna, a couple of weeks later, do it again for 4,000 people. He, he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He's gonna take an ear that's been chopped off and put it back on. He's gonna cast out demons out of several people. One time he's gonna go into pigs. That was probably crazy. There's all of these instances where... Jesus does something unbelievably amazing and miraculous. And we don't know, but I would have to imagine that Nathaniel is watching blown away. 
And he was blown away by the first time he ever met him because Jesus did something kind of cool. And I think that there are a lot of us in the room who find ourselves in that spot, that the very first time we ever met Jesus, we were blown away, we were emotional, we met him, that was amazing. I've never felt that way before, I've never cried that way before, I've never had prayer answers that way before. But for so many of us, we stop right there. We stop right there. And Jesus says to Nathaniel what I believe he would say to you and me. That, that's what impressed you? Like that? You will see even greater things than this. Even greater things, even greater things than this. You know, so often as a pastor, I, um, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm involved in a lot of spiritual conversations people seeking guidance or, you know, whatever it is. And, and almost every time, most of the time when I talk to people about their spiritual life, they almost always talk in past tense. Almost always. Very rarely does God tell me what, do people tell me what God is doing in their life right now? They always talk about the past. Five years ago, 15 years ago, I had this youth group one time I met Jesus three years ago. I remember the Sunday I raised my hand, but they cannot tell you what God is doing right now because so many of us stop at the place where we meet him, but we don't ever actually follow him. See, the amazing, the amazing things that happened were witnessed by the people who followed him, not just the people who met him because thousands of people met him. And, and a couple of the people who met him that one day he fed 5,000 had that one story to tell for the rest of their life. I was there that day. I was there that day. But the people who decided to follow him, like, yeah, that was a good day. But then there was another day. That was pretty cool. But then there was another time. That was pretty cool. But then there was another time. Then there was this 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 time. Because that's the difference between somebody who follows Jesus and somebody who just meets him one time. Just meets him one time. So I would be willing to bet for most of us in the room, we have some type of religious affiliation. The chances are good that, that, that this is not the very first time you've ever walked through the doors of a church ever. If that's the case, I'm so pumped you're here because I, I would love to talk to you because I wanna hear your story. But, but for most of us, there has been an encounter or experience where we have met him before. But if we find ourselves tonight, and I, and, I, and I think this is a challenge for all of us in the room, if we find ourselves tonight underwhelmed by Christianity, by underwhelmed, I mean like, you're like, yeah, yeah, it's good, yeah. I mean, it's fine, yeah. When I come to church, it's good, yeah. You, you find yourself underwhelmed. You, you, you hear other people talk about it, and you're like, well, I've never really experienced like that. You hear other people talk about prayer and their time of praying, and you're like, well, I've never experienced that. It's just like, if you were being honest, you feel like you kind of got talked into signing up for something that somebody invited you to one night for dinner. But it feels underwhelming. If you're here tonight and you find yourself underwhelmed by Christianity, I wanna ask you this question. I think it's a question all of us in the room need to answer. Are you following Jesus? Or are you asking Jesus to follow you? 
You say, well, what's the difference? Well, the difference is when you follow Jesus, you go where he goes, you do what he does, you say what he says to say. When you ask Jesus to follow you, you say, hey, Jesus, uh, I really want this job. Can you get it for me? Hey, I, I really wanna be in this relationship. It's probably not the best relationship for me. Will you bless it? When you ask Jesus to follow you, you're in control of your life. When you follow Jesus, you say, Jesus, wherever you're going, I'm in. Whatever you wanna do, I'm in. And you get a chance to have a front row seat to even greater things. So for anybody in the room who's here tonight, who you would say like, yeah, I mean, I've met him. It was good. There was, a, there was a period of time in my life that was pretty good. You know, I remember you know, my youth group or the summer camp or the VBS or I, I was a part of a church one time. I'm like, I've met him. I wonder, are you following him? Are you following him? Because if you follow Jesus, he will always exceed your expectations. Let's pray.